right. If the chains weren't broken off you yet, they're getting ready to right now. If you want to be free this morning, I want you to, uh, if you would open your Bibles to John chapter two, John chapter two, I'm going to read you the story of Jesus going into the temple and turning over the tables. This was the first time that Jesus did this in his ministry. In the latter part of his life, he did it, and he quoted Isaiah 56, 7, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And I'm going to read this first account. And I want, I want to give you some perspectives on three things. On pointing your heart at the Lord, on activating the fire of God that's already in your life, and then walking in the authority that you have as a Christian to be an atmosphere changer. Are you ready? Nobody answered me. Are you ready? Okay, let's pray right now. And let's just, I won't keep you too long. How long did we go? Last Sunday, second service, worship did not end until about 1215. How many were here last Sunday, second service? It was one of those moments in worship. It was so holy, you just couldn't touch it. You couldn't touch it with, let's receive the offering. Or you couldn't touch it with, well, now the pastor has a message. It was so holy. We were just, it was a throne room encounter. And uh, those moments are wonderful. I love, because they're so defining. And they, they literally shift your life into another place. And they shift where your passion should be, which is for his presence. So I won't keep you too long, but let's pray. Would you join your heart with me so that we can receive revelation from the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And I just declare hearing ears and hearts open right now. And we join our hearts and we say, we want to hear your voice. We want, Lord, we desire transformation. I want you to begin to pray in the spirit. Those of you that pray in the Holy Ghost, come on. Holy Spirit, come in power right now. Come and rest and come and reign and do whatever you want to do this morning. I thank you for chains that are falling off of people. I thank you for hearts that are shifting to heaven. I thank you for the fire of the Holy Spirit that is going to burn brighter and brighter in the hearts of your children. And I thank you for the authority of heaven that we will walk in as a normal Christian in Jesus name. Amen. God is shifting the church from uh, average Christianity to normal Christianity. Average Christianity averages it based upon what all the other churches are doing. Normal Christianity does it the way Jesus did it in the book of Acts. Hello? We don't need revival when we live in normal Christianity because we are revival. But when we live in average Christianity, we're still praying for revival. God, would you move? God, would you? But in normal Christianity, I am a move of God. Smith Wigglesworth, it sounds arrogant, but he said, if God's not moving, I will move him. William Booth, it wasn't arrogant. He said, I am a move of God. That's normal Christianity. Because God has given us authority in the earth to walk in as believers to raise up army, to break chains, to change a culture from one that is not a kingdom culture to one that is where Jesus is Lord. That's why when he sent his disciples out, 
He said, he didn't say pray for the sick. He said, heal the sick. We're still praying for the sick in average Christianity. Lord, I pray that you would heal them. God says, I've already given you authority over sickness and disease. Heal them. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead physically and spiritually. Well, God still does that. Oh, yeah, all the time. He'll cleanse the lepers freely you have received, freely give. And then he said this, and then tell them the kingdom has come near them. That normal Christianity brings the kingdom, the king's domain in the earth. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. How does that happen? How do we as believers learn to, to just be a instrument, a window? You know, I used to broker loans for people in the mortgage business, and I'm still a broker, but I'm a broker of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a window and I am an open channel to the the power and the life and the resource of heaven to usher in and to bring change in people's lives. And that's what normal Christianity is. It is not just given to the preachers, teachers, and those that are up here behind this thing right here, but it's given to the believers for the work of the ministry. Let's move away from average Christianity and step into normal Christianity. Or I don't pray for revival, but I am a revival. Well, that just doesn't sound well. There is no word revival in the New Testament. Why? Because we're supposed to be normal Christians, not average Christians. The reason we might need revival is because we're dead. But if we're alive like normal Christians should be, because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, will give life to my mortal body. That is not an event, it's a lifestyle called normal Christianity. And Jesus went into the temple. The Passover had come. Verse 13 of John chapter 2. The Passover was that, that one of three feasts that was a pilgrimage feast where they would go to Jerusalem. There's something about going to the temple. A couple weeks ago, I shared a message with you. I've got to get to Bethel. Something about the passion that we have for the house of God. The passion that we need for the presence of the Lord. A lot of us have passions, but I want to explain to you every good, healthy passion in your life will only grow and become more healthy as you learn to be passionate about the things of God. Passionate about the presence of God. This one thing, David said, I desire and I will seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He said, I've loved the habitation of your house, the place where your glory dwells. He said, I will, I will cry out, I will faint. I will, even, I will walk until I faint and my soul longs and thirsts for the living God. That's how much he longed for the presence of God. Every believer must learn that your number one passion should be for the presence of the Lord. That's why the consistency of worship and fellowship in our life, it reignites within us what God has put on on the inside of us. It's not the activity that I try to do that is trying to feed the fire in me. It's the fire in me that causes me to do the activity of studying the Word, of praying, of worshiping God. There's something about posturing our hearts. Jesus was longing for this moment because it was Passover. Because it was time to go to Jerusalem. It says just before this, many of you are familiar with the story where he turned the water into wine. But he says he didn't stay there very long because he knew Passover was coming. He knew he had to go to Jerusalem. A couple or a few weeks ago, I shared with you how your heart is like a satellite dish. How many have satellite TV? I will not call you sinners. Just raise your hand. I won't even look. 
If you have satellite TV, many of you understand that the satellite dish is about the size of this table, and it just is mounted up in a certain direction on your house. Does it move or is it fixed? It's fixed. Well, back in the day, my grandparents, back in the old days, when I was a young boy, only in the 80s, I'm not that old, so there was satellite TV, but these satellite dishes were huge. And my grandparents, we didn't even have cable. We just had regular rabbit ear TV, just a few stations. And how many remember rabbit ear TV? Does anyone still have that? Where you got to put the aluminum on one side just to get the right signal? Well, in, in my grandparents' home, it was satellite TV. But back in the day, the satellite dish was tremendous. It was huge. And we would change the station, but I wasn't even allowed to change the station. My grandpa had to do it, and here's why. Because every time you change the station, the satellite dish, this big, huge, bulky thing would go, and change in the position it needed to be to get the right signal. And we talked about how our hearts are a lot like a satellite dish. There's different types of satellite dishes. Some send signals, some receive signals. Well, your heart does both. Jesus said in Matthew 6, where your heart is or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you value determines what your heart is fixed on. And then he began to talk about the eyes. And he said, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is open or healthy or pure, then your body is full of light. Because the eye is one of the gauges that determines what your heart is fixed on. It's almost like the way the direction the satellite dish is pointed is, is your eyes. It's the gauge that determines what you value in your heart. If you're valuing the presence of God, then your heart will be pointed to the things of heaven and His presence. And I was thinking about this and how at my grandparents' house, I feel like a lot of times as believers, we our hearts are like these big, bulky satellite dishes. You guys know what old school electronics looks like. You remember the old pagers? Some of you had the big, huge pagers, the big VCRs. Who had a big VCR? You remember the video cameras they used to have? They look like the television ones. They're like this big. I carried one nine miles down in the Grand Canyon, this big, huge thing. Now they're like, it's this iPhone and it, it probably takes better video. How many are thankful for technology? Glory to God. Steve Jobs, who glory. We want more Steve Jobs to be raised up. But there's something about this huge satellite dish, and I began to think about it, and I, I believe that it's a, it's a picture of many of us. How many know that when you're going through it, you come to church, and after about two or three songs, your heart, that satellite dish begins to go, and point to heaven, but sometimes it takes a while. How many understand what I'm saying? How many want to rid yourself of that slow-moving satellite dish, that slow-moving to get your heart positioned back on the things of heaven, back on His presence? We need to walk in a lifestyle. There is something about this story that I want, to, I want to share with you where we can learn to walk in the passion for God's house where it doesn't take three songs to enter in the presence of the Lord. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You might have been on the way to church and argued with someone in the car, and then you're sitting there, and you're like, I don't feel like worshiping God right now because your heart is pointed at other things. Everywhere your heart points dictates what you value. Hello. And after a one worship song, and Chris is up here doing his thing, and you're like, man, this is all right. And then you look over at Doug, and Doug's like, and he's clapping, and you see the passion that he has for the 
things of God. And then you say, you know, I could worship God. And that's your heart positioning back on heaven. It's interesting to me that when Jesus prayed, how many know what does the preacher ask you to do when it's time to pray? What is the preacher, what is the typical thing you hear the pastor say at the end of service, let us bow for a word of prayer? What does the preacher ask you to do? Bow your head and close your eyes. Interesting. Where did we learn that? Is there a verse in the Bible where it says to bow my head and to close my eyes? No, there isn't. Actually, when Jesus prayed, every time he prayed, we have it recorded three different times where the disciples looked at him. One in John chapter 11, one in Mark chapter 7, one in Matthew chapter 14. It says that he looked up to heaven and prayed with his eyes open. How many pray with their eyes open? Now, sometimes we have to close our eyes because we get distracted, right? How many ever get distracted during worship? But I'm talking about there's something about the eye that gauges our hearts are open to God. Our hearts are postured at God. And Jesus prayed that way. Let us rid ourselves of the tradition of prayer that I have to somehow bow my head because I can't look at the face of God. When I understand what the scripture says, that I have access to him by one spirit through the father that I can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in the time of need. That is how Jesus prayed. And that's how the normal Christian should pray. Not the average Christian, the normal Christian. Amen. Do you, you understand the difference? The, no, the, the average Christian will say that's how everyone else does it. But the normal Christian will say, I want what Jesus did. And I want to see the book of Acts come alive. You know, it was in 1967, some Catholic college students were reading the book of Acts and they were reading the cross and the switchblade and they said, this doesn't seem normal. This average thing, this church that I'm attending or the, the, just what, what I'm experiencing in God, there's got to be more. And they began to step into normal Christianity and they went to a little church in Pennsylvania called the Holy Spirit Catholic Church. If I'm going to go back to Catholic Church, that's the one I want to go to, the Holy Spirit Catholic Church. And they went there reading the book of Acts, hungering for normal, hungering for what the scripture says. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You read historically, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they said they were filled with this overwhelming sense of the love of the Father. Jesus taught us to pray. He didn't say, bow your head, close your eyes and pray. Uh, God, he said, he looked to heaven and said, my father, I thank you that you hear me. Daddy God, my heart is open. My heart is postured. My eyes are fixed on you. He set his face toward Jerusalem when he was about ready to die and go to the cross. There's something about setting our faces, setting our, our countenance, setting our face to his face. Jesus taught us to pray with what model? Pray face to face. You don't have to look down at the ground and think, oh, if, if, if these people only knew what I did this week, God knew he knows that all and he still embraces and loves you and wants you to turn your heart to him. So in this story, Jesus is going and he turns over the tables. I used to look at this story and I think, you know what? That's an excuse for me to just be mad at the church. But little, little did I realize that I was the temple and God was turning over the tables on the inside of my heart. The things that had got set up because of, of average Christianity. God, come and turn the tables, not in my church, but come turn the tables over in me because I am the church. 
Well, if you don't get this church over here, church, you know, the first church of the Baptist Nazarene, they, we need to turn the tables over. No, you need to let God turn the tables over in you because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's a heart that is positioned to heaven. I love what he says here. He says, don't do this in the house of God. You've made it a house of merchandise. Later on, he does it again. He quotes Isaiah 56, 7. My house should be called a house of... Isaiah 56, 7. Memorize it. Read it. It's his house. A place for communion. A place for worship. And the disciples caught on to something so profound. In verse 17, it's the second thing I want to talk to you about. In verse 17, his disciples remembered a verse. It's in Psalm 69.9. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. In the New Living Translation, it says, passion for your house has consumed me. I want the passion for God's house to consume my life. Do you know that you have the fire of the Holy Spirit living in you? Do you know that you don't need to ask God to make you on fire? You need to acknowledge the fire that's in you and hang out with other people that have that same fire whose hearts are set on the passion for his house and that fire will burn hotter and hotter and hotter. It's already on the inside of you. What am I saying? I'm saying you don't need to just read the Bible more to get more on fire for God, but acknowledge the fire that's in you and you will grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of the Lord and study the Scripture more and pray more because you're acknowledging the fire. You're not putting the, the horse or the cart before the horse. You're acknowledging the passion that is on the inside of you. The, what, is, what did Jesus say? Return to your first love. There's something about that fire, that desire, that passion on the inside. If we just acknowledge it, this is what Paul was telling Timothy when he said, I'm reminding you to stir up that fire that's in you. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, stir up the fire, fan the flame that's in you. I'm thinking about Cecil right now, how he's so hungry for the word. And on a daily basis, he's, he's doing his devotions, but it's not doing his devotion that, that, that is adding wood to the fire. It's the fire that is doing the devotions, the desire he has to commune with God. And it causes the fire to burn hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter because he's acknowledging who he really is. In other words, your fire does not burn hotter by you doing religious activity. It burns hotter by you realizing your identity. If you are like God, and if the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. The same all-consuming fire that burnt the bush that Moses, when he encountered God, you are a type and a shadow of the New Testament burning bush. The temple of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the same fire. Are you guys listening to me this morning? Or am I preaching to a wall? But I'm looking at the Scripture. That I'm reminded of the Scripture in Acts chapter 2. It says that when they were praying, all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And it said they saw fire come and rest on each one of them. There was not fire in the center of the room that they all huddled around. Every one of them got the fire of the Holy Spirit. What am I, why am I saying that? You, do you understand the fire that's on the inside of you? 
It's the same fire that's been passed down from the day of Pentecost when God always had a remnant and He began to restore revival. The same fire that William Seymour walked in in Azusa Street. The same fire that Evan Roberts, one of my favorite, the Welsh revivalists, he would preach. And in a period of a year, 100,000 Welshans became believers in the Lord Jesus. We have the same fire of heaven. Well, but you, Zach, I just know that's, that's average Christianity. We live in normal Christianity. The same DNA, the same blood that was shed on the cross has cleansed me. The blood of Jesus flows through our veins. We have been given a new nature. What is this thing of identity? Let me talk to you a little bit about it because a lot of us still try to put makeup on our old sin nature. Because we've been taught we have two natures. That is not scriptural. The Bible says, consider him dead. The Bible says he was crucified and he died in Christ. Well, then why do we have to put to death our members on the earth, according to Colossians? Here's what happens. We live in a house. Our house, this is our body. Our old nature gets kicked out when we meet Jesus. It says, you got to go. And then here we are standing in our home and we're with our new nature And we look around our house and we see all this habits of our old man laying everywhere. And we think, oh my gosh, I must still have a sin nature. Look at all the stuff that I eat. Look at all the stuff that I live with and I watch on TV. And I'm talking metaphorically here. Instead of allowing God to come in and take the trash out, we start identifying with our old man and we think, well, I must still have a sin nature. No, those are just behaviors and you need to let God take the trash out. You, the Bible says old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're new in Christ. You're complete in Christ. You have the fire. That's your identity. So don't identify with old behaviors. Let God take the trash out. When you read Colossians, this is what he's telling them. I wish I had time to turn there and and teach you a little bit. It says, put to death your members that are on the earth. For your old man was crucified with him. He died. Don't dress him up and pull him out of the grave and introduce him to people. This is my old sin nature. I'm sorry about the wrath. I'm sorry that I just smacked you in the face. That was my flesh. That was my old man. No, the old man died. There might have been some old behaviors, but don't feed yourself that stuff anymore. Take the trash out. Let God take the trash out. Identity. When we realize our identity, that we are sons of God in the same fire of Pentecost is within us, we will walk with a passion like Jesus where he says, he's reading the scripture, the disciples say, that passion for your house has consumed me. Amen. Verse 18, the Jews answered and said, what is this authority, Jesus? You think you have authority to come in here and do this in the temple? Jesus answers and says, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it. He was talking about the authority he had over his own body because the Jews, in about, about three years from now, we're going to crucify Jesus. And he says, you can try to kill me, but I'm going to rise again three days later. They thought he was talking about the temple. Why am I saying that? Why am I expounding on this part? Because here's what I believe. When we understand how to position our hearts and keep it positioned on Him, it doesn't take three songs to to get saved again. I'm just kidding. It doesn't take three songs to start worshiping. It doesn't take, you know, a whole message 
to get right with God because we've had bitterness towards someone for three years. But our hearts are positioned on him. I was talking to my wife earlier thinking about, you know, our hurts and our, you know, when we get hurt and if we meditate on how people have hurt us, we will go in this downward spiral of bitterness. Where bitterness, one person put it many years ago, a poet, he said that if you are bitter towards someone, it's like drinking poison and expecting them to get sick. If I'm bitter towards you and I hold on to that, it's like me drinking poison and thinking it's going to affect you. It doesn't work that way. But I was thinking about how sometimes the Bible says, set your eyes and affections on the things of heaven, Colossians 3. The Bible says in Philippians, it says, meditate on the praiseworthy things, the things that are pure and excellent. Meditate on those things. And I was thinking about the tension between if I think about how people have hurt me, and then I think about how, God, you've forgiven me of such great debt. You're you're so faithful. You love me when I'm unlovable, when I think I'm unlovable. And I think about the tension between those. That is just like a bow and an arrow, that tension. It catapults me into learning to love more and it expands my capacity to love. But I have to set my eyes and affections on the things of heaven. And when we do that, we begin to acknowledge who we are in Christ, that we carry the fire of God within us. And here's, here's what I want to close with. Here's what I want to I, I share with you right now is that learning to be like Jesus, Jesus was not a thermometer Jesus was a thermostat. What are you you saying, Pastor Zach? I'm saying this, that as a normal Christian, you should not be a thermometer. You should be a thermostat. Let me explain what the difference is. A thermometer, like many, many of us, and and this was me for many years, I, I, you know, my prophetic gift or my gift to discern spirits, I'm a thermometer. I walk into a region or say, man, that city has so much oppressive spirits on it. and, And there's just depression and this and that. And Oh, it's so demonic. And, and we come into Henderson. It's like, oh, man, there's a spirit of poverty over here. And that's just a thermometer. I'm learning to gauge and discern the atmosphere. But a thermostat Christian, in this context of this story, Jesus was one who didn't walk in the room and say, oh, man, the temple was just horrible. And look at all these money changers. He came in and he turned up the temperature because he changed the atmosphere. If I'm a thermometer Christian, I walk in a lifestyle of seeing all the negativity around me. Remember a couple weeks ago I said a victim mentality will always see the demons that surround you, but a victor mentality will see the angels that are ready to be released to bring victory in your life. God, open our eyes and Lord, remove this concept that we have thinking that it's spiritual just to, just to give some idea of what the atmosphere is like. When God has called me to be a normal Christian and to be a thermostat to change and shift the atmosphere. Oh man, it's just the glory has departed. Oh my Lord. Well, guess what? His glory is in me. And when I walk in the room, I'm going to release it in every heart and in every life. A thermos, a th- thermometer Christian. Oh, there's just so much cold love. Well, guess what? I'm, I got a fire in me and I'm going to, I'm going to melt that cold love like wax. Just melt it. Just disintegrate it because I'm a thermostat Christian. I'm a normal Christian, not an average Christian. Amen. God help us to walk in the authority that we have from heaven. Do you know if your heart is not postured to the authority of heaven, you cannot walk and the authority that you've been given. It's so important that we learn to keep our hearts postured so that we can burn 
for a passion with his, for his house. And we can be thermostat Christians, not thermometer Christians and just gauge everything. Thermometer Christians, they love being critical and they call it discernment. Hello? I've been there. Come on. Let's just be honest for a minute. Oh, I just discern this, 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 and all you're doing is criticizing. And you're literally just tearing down instead of saying, yeah, there's some things we need to change and just make some declarations and bring some change. How many want to be a thermostat, not a thermometer? Come on, somebody. Let's stand up together and pray. I want to release a grace and a blessing over you. And then we're going to come to the table of the Lord and we're going to, we're going to partake of communion before we dismiss you. I want you to lift your hands with me. Lift your hands with me and just posture your heart to heaven. You don't have to be that slow-moving satellite. Just, just, just lift your eyes to heaven. You don't have to bow your head. Just lift your heart up and say, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Oh, I give you my heart. Come in power, Holy Spirit. Come and bring change and come and reignite fire within us, the baptism of fire. Matthew 3.11 says Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit and fire. And so, Lord, we receive it. We posture our hearts. We receive. And, Lord, let the fire of heaven consume us. Let us walk in this all-consuming fire. I want to ask you to lift your voice and just begin to go, go after it right now. Say, Lord, I receive your fire. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Come on, just pray in the Spirit. I am, I am not going to settle for average Christianity. I am going to walk as a normal Christian with what you model, Lord Jesus. Thank you that I'm a son and I have your DNA, your nature in me. The old man's dead in Jesus' name. Father, we just acknowledge these things. We say, yeah, we surrender. Just surrender to the life and the power of God. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Don't be passive. Pray with me. Stir it up. Come on, fan the flame. Reignite it on the inside of you. In Jesus' name. And so now, Lord, as we posture our hearts, we thank you that we are not just thermometers, but we're thermostats and we are atmosphere changers. Come on. We are ones to walk in a room and we're walking in the room and things are changing. We're like some of the old old revivalists that would walk in the room, God. And it says that their countenance convicted people, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you that we are like you, Jesus. We can go in and we can turn over the tables in the atmospheres that are perverted love God. And Lord, we just walk in these things. We say yes, and we bless you. We receive from heaven right now.